0: I'd like to begin this podcast with a question. When was the last time you negotiated with a seller on something that you were really interested in buying? So you can include a house. If you were buying a house, you would negotiate. If you were buying a car, you would negotiate. If you were going out for a pint of Guinness, you're not really going to negotiate that. So where is the the line that you would draw where you believe it to be acceptable to negotiate uh, on something that you're about to spend your hard earned money? I ask this question a lot in training programs, consulting teams and individuals, and many, many times I can tell you what the response would be to that question based on whether the person was born in the city or in the town, or if that person was from the country, and they'll explain why. So this podcast is all about negotiating and the art of negotiating, and the skill required, um, and a few resources that I would recommend people take a deep dive into if selling is their game, or you know what, if you're interested in saving money on the high street. Yeah, the high street, yeah. most people I know wouldn't negotiate with anybody on the high street. A lot of people I know who are off the land, still living in the country, would negotiate for anything, with the exception of that Pint of Guinness I had referenced. So what was your answer? Where would you draw the line? What would you not be willing to negotiate for because you would look foolish or whatever? And I'd mixed that question up a bit, but you're not in a in the uh, conditions or the environment of a sales training program. So most people will draw the line at car and a house. Many people won't negotiate white goods and people will probably not walk into a, a shop on the high street like Marks and Spencer's or a clothing shop, buy loads of stuff and ask for a discount. So most people don't really know whether it's effective or not. Most people genuinely don't know if it's possible to get a discount. A lot of people who are born in the city and the towns kind of feel embarrassed about asking for, for discount. People in the country have absolutely no bother because they're only maybe one generation away from having to trade cattle, whatever it is, uh, cattle, livestock, grain, whatever, turf, for other products and negotiating was a part of the daily ritual and very much a part of staying alive. And so there's a very clear, culturey, tiny approach to negotiating, but there's a way of doing it well. And I'm going to talk about this for the first time. It's one of those podcasts I've been dying to do for ages, but I haven't really, uh, Confidently been able to articulate it and haven't really thought about how to, to make it sound much easier than it really is because negotiating is really, really difficult and it's almost impossible if you don't practice and you will have a lifetime of failed examples of how not to negotiate under your belt. Negotiating is probably as important for the seller as it is for the buyer and most of the big organizations that... Um, have buyers like the Tesco's of this world, um, have professional trainers coming in to train them. And so if you're selling to those people, you kind of need to know the skills involved to be able to do it effectively where you walk away with what you need and you leave the person that you've been negotiating with feeling okay about that process too. The question I asked was asked for the first time when I was training a car sales team. And... The program was a two-day program on a seven-stage sales process that we were trying to implement across an organization of about 150 salespeople. And we had this seven-stage thing which incorporated a lot of what the manufacturers needed, what the finance companies needed that would satisfy financial regulators, all that sort of stuff. And then part of it was designed to take into account brand values of the business, so It was a lot of stakeholders involved in the creating of the process. And what we were trying to do was get a standard level of performance across the team, which um, makes a lot of sense to everybody. One of the questions I asked was that, how many of you are prepared to negotiate? Um, And if you are prepared to negotiate, where do you draw the line? And the reason for that was because my belief is that if you're, you're not able to fully sell effectively to people, if you don't know what it feels like to negotiate and what that looks like, Many years ago when I was working for a company, we did some sales training and we did a piece on negotiating. And it was really simple. Two people were placed at a desk. One person got an envelope. The other person got an envelope. Inside one envelope was you're a ticket scalper, for west end shows you've got the last two tickets for the best selling show on in the west end of the minute let's say chicago those two tickets you could sell to anybody for a thousand pounds show starts in 10 minutes and the other person had a, an envelope which said um you're on holidays in the west end you have just come around the corner and seen a sign saying chicago showing now and you have heard that there's a scalper selling tickets and you have 150 quid to spend. And that's the point of negotiation. And what happens after that is usually a ridiculous scenario of how poorly people negotiate and why they end up with a lose-lose most of the time. So what I'm gonna talk about now is some tips and sales skills in the art of negotiating that um, have been taken from probably a lifetime of experience and loads of different resources that I'm gonna divulge to you as we go through the podcast. So here we go. Step one is preparation. You need to do your homework and gather as much information as possible before entering any negotiation, whether that's uh, at a business level or whether you're walking down the high street and trying to tap a guy for a washing machine, a dishwasher and a fridge freezer. You have to research your competition. You have to take a look at the person you're you're going to be negotiating with. You need to understand their goals and you need to be prepared for any potential roadblocks because there are bound to be some, you know, preparation is key to anything, but for you to make really informed decisions and to avoid the common pitfalls of bad negotiating, you need to do your homework. I have loads of examples of my own life for really bad preparation cost me dearly. And sometimes I can refer back to a time when it probably cost me a job where I was so badly prepared to negotiate on a really big contract that um, the the outcome wasn't good for anybody. Preparation is really, really crucial and you can never do too much of it, but you need to have a really, really clear idea of where you want to go. So part of um, preparation is preparing for stage two, which would be um, the end game. So starting the journey with the destination in mind and thinking about what a good result would look like for you and what a good result would look like for the person that you're trading with. Most of the time in business to business, you're not really doing one-off hits. You're doing a negotiation that's part of a relationship build, part of a lifetime value. So if you think about you just going out to try and win and to posture and to do a little bit of marketing of territory over the buyer. You might win this negotiation, but you may not get anything again from this company moving forward. So you have to think about the short, medium and long-term effects of negotiating with this client. So what is the lifetime value? Um, Again, something that you should really think about is um, do some simple maths, okay? Whatever age you are now and what the likelihood is of how long you'll be working for that company, be it 5, 10, 15 or 20 years, and you're going to negotiate with this person once a year and the value in one negotiation is £100, the lifetime value could be over 20 years, 20 times £100. So are you thinking about just getting the quick hit here or is part of your negotiating strategy to take into account what you might want to do the year after and the year after and so on and so forth? So it's really, really important that you start the journey with a destination in mind. The third would be emotional intelligence, okay? You can't really prepare for emotional intelligence because it's, it's not something you're going to do on a, on a Tuesday night to go into a negotiation with somebody on the Wednesday morning. Um, but it's referenced in so many sales books and it's become that little bit of soft skill learning that's becoming more important than everything else you'll know in sales. And so I'm gonna talk about the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which is kind of a, a must read, um, but it's not, it's not the only book in on negotiating, uh, but it's a good resource for you to check out. Some of the things he talks about is uh, you know emotional intelligence, active listening, labeling, mirroring, tactical empathy. So you have to be able to prepare not only for what you're going to say, but prepare for how the person responds to what you say. So you've got to be able to read the room. You've got to be able to look at cues, um, non-verbal communication and verbal communication cues, which is why I think you should always negotiate high-ticket stuff face-to-face. Um, I'll talk about that in a second in more detail. Um, active listening is something... We we talk about a lot, but it's listening to understand and to get the nuances of the negotiation, to find out really what's behind what they're talking about. And if you go in exclusively with your own position and your own agenda sorted out, you're just gonna hit a brick wall. You know, you need to be tactically aware and astutely aware of what the other person is thinking and considering and how they're gonna play their game. And that means almost removing yourself from the game of chess, sitting back and looking at the pieces from both sides of the table. And that's a skill that you can practice and learn and, and the technique that needs to be finely tuned and finely tuned and finely tuned. Labelling is the technique involving, you know, acknowledging the other person's emotions, which ultimately helps to deescalate tension, all with the end game of building rapport. Remember that negotiation is, is a battle to come to a win-win position where both of you walk away feeling pretty happy with the result. You want to take somebody's neck, somebody by the neck or take their legs away from them and make them feel undervalued and make them feel pained by what you're doing. I can't see there being a repeat gig. Um, This is of course dependent on where you are in the hierarchy of the world. There's a quote from an old client of mine who used to say, uh, do you know what the golden rule is, Paul? He used to say the person with all the gold makes the rules. So if you're negotiating with somebody who's really, really powerful and they know they're powerful and you know you're they're powerful, then you're probably already giving away something in that negotiation. So you, you need to be more respectful. You need to know your place and so on and so forth. If you are the power in the negotiation, you've got to work on the basis that if you take somebody to the cleaner's first day, what are the repercussions? How will it benefit you in the future if you need to call on a favor from those people, if you need to ask for additional stuff, if you if you need a helping hand at some point? The key is to always point for a win-win. Um, it's not always accessible or achievable, but your, your ultimate goal should be trying to get a win-win as often as you possibly can. Just keep everybody happy and move on and come back and do the same thing, rinse and repeat the next year. Do you know the difference between position and interest. So there are a couple of positions that your counter can take in a negotiation. They can say yes, no, or maybe. A few others maybe as well. But they say yes, no, or maybe. You're interested in the maybes and the no's. So if they say no, the interest piece is what is motivating them to say no. And so you stop trying to battle to get them to say yes, but you try and use your skills and your emotional intelligence and your market knowledge and the preparation that you've done is to find out what is motivating them to take the position that they're taking. A lot of the time, people lock horns and go head to head and they just keep on banging their heads off the wall or like two mountain goats just going at it full tilt with no real logic to the activities or the actions because it's just countering what the other person says. You need to take a really, really long, hard look at what motivates the other person to take the position that they have. What are they interested in really? Another good resource for you to consider is the Harvard principles of negotiation. Um, So very similar to the never uh, split the difference. They talk about um, separating people from the problem. So this means avoiding the ad hominem attacks or becoming emotional during a negotiation. And instead you really need to focus on the facts and getting a solution for the problem you find yourself in. Emotion can kill so, so many negotiations simply by virtue of the relationship that it's an adversarial, um, it's got the potential to be an adversarial discussion it can be protracted. There can be a lot of um, dirty underhand tactics deployed by one or both people to get to the place that they need to get to. And the winner usually is able to detach themselves emotionally from the outcome, to detach themselves emotionally almost from the process and to make a fact-based, process-driven, disciplined and focusing again on on the outcome. And that's really, really important. Separating people from the problem is important because it allows you to maintain that professional demeanor, um, even when the situation becomes tense. And just keep the personal stuff out of it. Like you'll be able to keep the conversation focused and productive, which will help you get to the better outcome. And I think that one of the things that um, I've seen other people struggle with and I've struggled with too is that moment where you want to lean over the desk and hit somebody a clip because they've been offensive but it's not personal it's their job to negotiate a better position for their their company that's what they're being paid for if they're a professional buyer if they own the business if they're a ceo that's that's their job and it's also your job to get to a point where you can take back some bacon to your to your business and say, like I've done a good job here, I've got the right yield, I've got the right volume, we've got the right frequency, we've got the right service level, we've got everything done, and I've left the other guy walking away and, and sure, you know, we don't have to buy pints or we don't have to go out for lunch or play golf, we just need to do our job effectively. And that that is that's really important to separate people from the problem. Another thing you need to think about is creating mutual gains. Okay, so again, it's really, really important. Everybody talks about win-wins, you know, but really th- those wins might only become readily available um, through the negotiation, you know. Um, it, it might mean a lot of compromising. It might means f- mean finding creative solutions. It might mean working closer with the person you're talking to to, to get a win-win. and um, the idea that you go into negotiation unprepared and you're expected to come out with a really, really fantastic outcome is just not possible. So all of these different areas of negotiation will, will will fold in on top of each other and become one structured process. And again, the difficulty in doing a podcast on negotiation is that there are different stages in the buying and selling process. So these aren't really, um, they're, they're just like examples. Um, you want some help with a, uh, more tailored approach would be happy to do that. But this is just almost like a generic approach, must-dos, non-negotiables, essentially, in in how you negotiate. Um, And if you're kind of able to focus on what both parties want, you'll then build a a really, really durable relationship, which is a recurring theme in the art of negotiation, in Don't Spread the Difference, in Harvard, and in any resource that you want Uh, want to find and dig dig deep into and through your own experience whether you're only in this gig recently whether you're a hardened veteran or whether you're a sales leader you know that this is all about building strong and long-lasting relationships you always know you're on to something good when you're able to throw in the odd acronym and I want to talk about the NBA and BATNA right now NBA is the next best alternative, and that's normally a shortened version, a version of BATNA, which is best alternative to the no- negotiated agreement, the best alternative to the negotiated agreement, which is basically a really, really considered alternative to the price that you really want. If you're negotiating with a guy for a hundred quid and it's a real push to get there, but you could settle for 90, that's what that's the distance. That's the operating distance between 190, Um, and sometimes businesses are allowed allow their salespeople to negotiate that little bit. Sometimes they say it has to be at this rate. For me personally, and to empower salespeople, I think they need to be given that latitude to um, negotiate in 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 that no man's land in that little distance between the best and the next best. You know. You'd settle for what, 91, 90? Definitely can't go below 90, but we'd settle for 91, ideally looking for 100, but that gives you some scope in the middle and then whatever KPIs you have on profitability then will drive your salespeople to get closer to the 100 than to the 90. But if you don't have the next best alternative or you don't have a BATNA, or you don't have a position, beyond just it must be 100, then that's a lose-lose because if they don't want to buy for 100 and you can't sell for anything less or you're not prepared to, as in you haven't made the preparations to consider it, then it's a lose-lose. And so if you most people go back to the high street, let's go back to the high street, let's go back to the buying a car, let's go back to the buying a washing machine, let's go back to anything that you're prepared to negotiate over. Most of the time you'll just say, you know, the 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 buyer will say to the seller, "Can you do anything on the price?" You know, throw in a wee lux penny. The Irish will say a, a luck penny for you know greasing the wheels of the whole um, trade. So, can you throw? Can you can you knock anything off that? That gets you nowhere. That gets you nowhere. It's better to say, you know, I was thinking more about paying X. And giving some reasons behind that, rather than just saying no, do it for fifty. Um, so say the price of something is a hundred again. You know, just saying uh, can you knock a wee bit off that is as probably productive as saying can you do it for fifty? Because if you knock a wee bit off that, can mean knock a penny off it, knock a pound off it, and saying can you do it for fifty really, really is is quite far off. So you have to think about it. You have to put a little bit of legwork in, and don't be just uh, impulsive and just say. X, Y, and Z. um, You have to really prepare and you test yourself. If you're in sales right now, I test you to go out and try and buy something today from an independent white goods uh, seller in one of the estates locally to you on the high street and go in and check out the end principle of buying three pieces. Buy one piece, buy two, or buy three pieces from an electronics um, white goods retailer and have some crack with it. Um, And I use that as an example because I was able to, I went into a shop, a guy called Cyril Campbell in Brackerville in County Tyrone and my mother would have always bought from them and so you've got this kind of inherited obligation to go back and buy from those people rather than going to Curry's or any of those, um, well just don't go to Curry's anyway. Oh no, do and see what the crack is, like trying to negotiate with a brick wall and they were brilliant and they did everything and I got what I thought was a good deal and I'm sure they wouldn't have sold to me if it wasn't a good deal for them as well and I bought three pieces of them, like a fridge, um, wash machine and a cooker, something like that, I can't remember exactly but I can remember the way it was handled and it was handled effortlessly by the salespeople. They saved themselves a lot of time, me a lot of time, and there was no way that I was going to get onto Google um, and check out a price comparison thing. Because something you got to remember if you're in sales right now, uh, the, the price is always up to, for discussion because there are so many alternatives to what you're offering. And if you don't fully understand why you're valuable and why you're different and what makes you really special, the chances of them not understanding it either, everything will get down to price. And so part of what you're negotiating is is a lot of intangible stuff. You know, delivery times and customer service and after sales and we look after you and we do this and the reason we're more expensive is because we're 40 years longer than anybody else doing this and we're really different because A, B, C, D, E. And that's why negotiating is really, really important. It isn't just about holding rates. It isn't just about um, getting rate increases or profitability, it's about protecting your brand. And it's hard sometimes to go out and negotiate effectively if you don't really understand your own value, which probably leads me into the final sample in this, what's turned into a very lengthy podcast episode. But you need to be able to understand it every time and what makes you different and why you're so um, good. And I remember as a manager working for an organization and I was coaching, well, I wasn't coaching, I was managing this guy. And he had said that he can get the deal over the line if he gives 25% discount to the buyer. And it was, um, you know, he said, don't have your emotions in the middle of it but I got really angry that this guy who was a real hard worker in the business and was getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to come to work and he was going to capitulate for 25% without having any kind of defence lined up and we worked really hard in the defence and the the structure and the process to it had the rate that our, our, you know, our return rate, our walk away price but we spent a lot of time being able to discuss the value that we give as an organization. Why we're different, why we're better, why we're worth paying more for. Most people don't buy stuff to save money. Most people buy stuff because there's a value attached to it, that they need something. You know, nobody goes sets out in the middle of a day to buy stuff to save money. Certainly business to business, that's not really the gig. They want to buy effectively, but they don't want to buy stuff cheaply at the expense of what the real underlying value is. That's down to you to be able to present that. That's why negotiating involves good storytelling and influence and persuasion and all of the other components come together. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I don't know if you're a townie or a culture. What, what was your view? would be interested to see um, if you negotiate what you would draw the line on not negotiating on, what you would think is everything up for discussion, but if you want to fire me some um, meaningful or meaningless responses back, that's okay. Paul at shift-control.co.uk. The website is shift-control.co.uk and I'm on LinkedIn. And thanks for listening this long and see you again.